It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Broadcasting live on the Mitch Radio Network, you're listening to DJ Ryan on the cutting room floor. Alright, how you doing everybody? Casey Ryan here again for a special bonus episode of the Cutting Room Floor. This is a little podcast that I started to showcase any entertainers and creative types from all walks. If you've got a story to tell or a project to sell, then I want to hear from you. Easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter. Uh, look me up on Twitter at Cutting Room MRB or I'm on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Cutting Room MRB. A uh, quick thank you as we do at the top of the show uh, to The Wolf, who acts as my announcer. You can listen to him and his dear wife, Susan, every Friday night right here on the Mixed Radio Network on the Live from the Morgue podcast. Uh, and to Michael Cardello, who uh, composed that little jingle for me as well. Uh, also, a quick thank you to uh, Marie Lamel, uh, who contacted me out of the blue. I, I love it when this happens. I get an email in my inbox just saying, hey, look, I got somebody that wants to talk to you to promote a project. Would you be willing to have him or her on? Always happy to do it. Shoot me an email, cuttingroomfloor.mrb at gmail.com, and I will do whatever I can to get you in, especially if you have a tight deadline for a crowdfunding campaign. Um, so again, thank you to Marie for that, and this is how I got to talk to Ro Moore. And um, just to give you some information on her, she's a script supervisor, she's a filmmaker, she's an actress. Uh, uh, she's out of Los Angeles right now, uh, but originally uh, from Aurora, Colorado, and she's got over 75 projects uh, under her resume in front of the camera, including uh, with some of the biggest names in the business, including Michael Sarah and John C. Riley. Uh, she also performs at Second City Hollywood, which I promised myself is on my bucket list if I ever get to a Second City show in any city that they perform in. I'm a huge fan of that uh, organization. And she has a... Um, a new film that she's working on called Hardly Easily, and that's going to be the subject of today's show. And it has, uh, on a personal note, um, I was a uh, bullying victim as a teenager and uh, a young kid, and uh, this touches on some of those subjects. And uh, I'm a big advocate of any kind of anti-bullying thing, so that's an easy way for you to get on the cutting room floor. So uh, uh, without further ado, the cutting room floor proudly welcomes for the first time uh, Miss Ro Moore. Uh, Ro, how are you? Good. How are you doing, sir? Good, good, good. So, uh, first first question I always have for everybody when they're on here for the first time, uh, just a bit of an icebreaker. Did I get all of your bio information right, or is that close enough? Yeah, you sure did. It sounds beautiful, man. <laughs> it, it, always, it always sounds cool when somebody else says it, right? So Exactly, exactly. Okay. So, uh, hardly easily, right? Yes, that's uh, the title of the film. Yeah, what what is it about exactly? And and I'm I'm curious about the word easily. Uh, is is this somebody's name? Is this a place? What, what is this? Sure. Um, we decided on the title of hardly easily because when you're a teen, nothing is easy, and you're trying to figure it out. You somewhat think that you know what it what life is and how you're going to do everything, and you think you know it all, and then everything can just crumble in the last seconds. And I remember being a senior in high school and the last two months of my high school career were the hardest months of my life, just trying to make sure I could graduate, just trying to make sure I could keep relationships if I was losing relationships, all that kind of stuff. And hardly easily 
follows four teenagers in their last couple of months of high school where they're trying to figure out what they're going to do and how to be who they are versus what they've been told all their lives. Um, and Easily is the name of the high school, which I stole basically from a school called Easily High School in Canada, ironically. Oh, really? Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, other than that, there's no other connections to that high school directly, but I, it just made it a very nice, sweet title to encompass everything that these teens go through. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's sitting back on all of our, you know, collective experience, right, that uh, you touched on something interesting that the, you know, the last, you know, semester, basically, of high school, right, is, is really kind of a foreboding time, right? Oh, yeah, it totally is, and like, because it's the last time you're going to be with the same people in the same rooms and see everybody at the same times. And have such a defined schedule where, okay, first period you're here, second period you're in English, next period you're in math. That's the last point in your life where it's that structured. Well, yeah, and, and uh, you, you think that the, you know, the, the world gets a hell of a lot bigger because all of a sudden jobs are not just something that you do during the summertime. You know, they, they become you know, more of a day-to-day reality and you know, you're trying to figure out what the hell you're going to do with your life. And, and uh, you know, it's, like I said, it's, it's kind of a, a big step really exactly and that's what all these teens in the movie are facing and like um one of them steve the lead character he's facing how to change himself from being the bully he's been the bully all his life and grant his best friend has been they've been the leads of this football team they've been the popular kids all along but it starts to crumble when steve starts falling for a girl named samantha and he, because of the positive influence from her, he starts discovering that he can change. And when we go home with Steve and we see him in his home life, we realize that he's been raised by an alcoholic, abusive dad. And so for him to not have that positive influence in his life, that's all he's ever known. And when somebody's only exposed to that much of attention, that kind of reaction, that behavior, they have no choice but to adopt that on. It's kind of a nature versus nurture. That's been his nurturing. And through Samantha being the way that she was nurtured from her helicopter mom to be like academics, you got to go to school, you got to make sure you graduate college, you have to have your life set up for you before you decide to go out and go to Columbia and volunteer or anything like that with overseas stuff. Um, when she wants the complete opposite, and through their relationship, she becomes a very positive influence to make him change his ways, and so much so that he inspires his dad to stop being an alcoholic. So, I, I mean, this is, you cover a lot of ground. I, I take it that this is actually a feature film, right? That, that, Correct. Uh, okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I can't imagine having to cram that much material into to a 15 or a minute or uh, even a half an hour short, right? But, right, I tried to at first. Try, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because um, that's my main thing is I've done over 20 different short films, um, producing, acting, all the, writing, all that kind of stuff. And so when it came to doing this story, I tried to take each individual storylines, because there's also Seth, who's the kid that's a nerd, he's always been bullied, that kind of stuff, and then there's also Grant, who's been hiding all his sexuality this entire time by dating the head cheerleader, and they have this agreement that they promise to never break until he's out of the house, so he doesn't have to take the judgment from his family, and whatever consequences may come with that, um, but when I tried making them individual shorts, it just didn't fit. There was so much left out because there's so much about the relationships between them that it has to be intertwined. So is, is this your your first feature then, or uh, like in terms of the one that you're actually handling on your own? 
Correct. (laughs) I have a team of producers with me who are helping me to try and get all the funding and trying to get all of it off the ground and into production and everything like that. It's just, it's the first major project that we're tackling. Um, Maybe if you could tell us a little bit about the cast of it, uh, that you've assembled. First of all, where is the film right now? Are you still in pre-production? Have you got the groundwork laid? Uh, you know, where does this thing sit? Right now, we're in pre-production. We're still locking down a couple locations, like we need a school, a couple houses. Um, we're debating between taking it back to Colorado because my high school. I would love to bring it back to my high school, um, and we are still in the middle of raising some funds for the film. What's nice is we are sponsored through the um, Film Collaborative here local in Los Angeles, which means anyone who provides funds and or provides us with in-kind donations of wardrobe or of school supplies or anything that we could use as props or locations, it's all tax deductible. Oh, and that's you know a good incentive, right? So, um, I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> how, uh, you know, how, how big of a help have they been? Um, they've been a huge help as far as getting us off the ground. They've been helping us get exposure. Um, we're on their front page, on the website, all that kind of stuff. So it's been really helpful. Uh, what can you tell me about the cast that that, uh, that you've assembled? I, I noticed that you've got all your leads basically up on, on your webpage there. How, how did you go about sourcing this? Like, were they friends of yours or I mean, people that you've worked <laughs> with before? Well, it was interesting because, like, how Justin was saying earlier, um he doesn't go out and find his roles necessarily. He kind of gets them and finds out through the chain of command. Um, Michael Emery from Shameless, he contacted me um, through his manager and said, hey, I saw this project on IMDb. I saw it's posted. I didn't see anybody cast yet. I just wanted to see what the status was. And he, through that email, we started talking back and forth. I let him know about the project, what the character was that I thought he could play based off of his headshot, his reels, all that kind of stuff. And I just fell in love. <laughs> and I was like, I think you're you're it. As far as I'm concerned, you're it because you put in the time and just getting to know him. It was like, okay, this is a good match. And then from there, we held auditions for the remaining cast, and it was a riot doing the auditions. I ho- I host auditions very differently from a lot of casting directors because I'm a director and I'm a producer. I'm also an actor, so I know it's scarier than hell going into any audition room. So I always try to make it as easy as possible. And all of the actors, including Rob Wol- Rob Roy, um, Siggy Gradwell, um, Sam Gash, everybody was amazing when they came in through their auditions. Um, and then the remaining cast, I wrote for them specifically because I've known like Danielle Wallace and Ann Westcott and Michelle Glasper, and I've known them since five years ago when we started acting class and I sat back one day and I was like look we're all so talented but we're not getting out there and I'm willing to step up and start writing and willing to step up and start learning to produce so we can get our talent out there so that's where a lot of the other remaining cast especially Tom Nielsen Tom Nielsen's in everything that I do I love him (laughs) no I mean it's good but I I would argue though that it's good that you have you know, people that you can entrust Im- implicitly that, you know, are, are going to show up on time and, and, you know, work with you and, and you know, make this a joint effort that, uh, exactly. I mean, that, that's, not, that's not an easy thing to find in any kind of work environment, much less the entertainment industry, I would think. Right. Well, and if you look at it, if you take a step back from the industry and you really boil down each film. And you'll find that it's the same group. And that's kind of what I have envisioned for my projection of my career and my life in the entertainment industry if you look at seth rogan and james franco they all work together the whole like seth mcfarland and all of them always work together same thing on other films like with 
um, Quentin Tarantino. He brings back the same people. And Robert Rodriguez, they bring all the same people. And when you have that close-knit group, it makes everything in the production and the post-production all the way from start to finish that much easier because everybody knows their role. They all know their place, and they know what they're bringing. And Christopher Guest, another one, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so that's kind of why I'm happy to have my little clan, and it's not that we don't want people in. We, we want them in. They just got to let us know they're out there. <laughs> so is this a straight-up drama piece, or is it intended uh, as, as a thinker's comedy, as I like to call them, or uh, I guess what? Um, there's, there's some lighthearted pieces. Um, Sam Gash and Danielle Wallace, they basically play the comedic reliefs, because in my heart of hearts, it's hard to take drama if there isn't a time where you can sit back and go, ha-ha, that was good, okay, now bring me back down. So, um, and it's easier to swallow harder subjects, especially about, like, abuse and bullying when there isn't a time to just let it release and relax and let it sink in. So, it's a combination of both, but it's primarily a drama based off of the fact that we do deal with the heavier subjects. Uh, now, you mentioned earlier that, that you are still accepting donations, right? Correct. Um, mm -hmm. What are you effectively raising the money for and, and what's the business case behind this? Sure, the business case behind this is we're trying to seek funds so that way we can pay our cast and crew. We're looking to pay for insurance, locations, um, if we don't get those donated and everything like that. Um, and it'll go towards wardrobes and props. That's primarily what we're looking for funds to, to be raised for. Did you guys go the crowdfunding route in the, in the traditional sense, like setting up a Kickstarter campaign or an Indiegogo campaign or any of those? We will be doing that here in the next couple months. You will. Um, right okay. now, which, yeah, um, we're looking at probably August, September time to be doing that. Um, <laughs> now, I, I also understand that just a couple of days ago, in fact, you had an event, is that right? Correct. We had an event at Bob's B-Boy here in North Hollywood. Um, it was really, really fun. It was great to see people come out and just support the film and to see how much it impacts everyone at every level, especially being bullied. I mean, you yourself said you were bullied as a kid. And right now, I think in this country, it's been a hot-button topic and it's been so much exposed that even the smallest things of like, hey, he stole my pencil is now being construed as bullying. So there needs to be some kind of recognition of what is truly bullying because we're getting the gray is outweighing the black and the white and we're not able to handle things that are truly bullying and catch like this morning i read an article about a girl who ended up committing suicide because she was bullied at school and there's no reason why that that shouldn't have been seen well and you know you touch on a um, an interesting transition point that that there is kind of a period where you know, these guys are, these, you know, men or women are going to grow up and eventually, potentially be bullies in the workplace, too, right? Right, exactly. And it until you have a positive influence or such a huge negative influence in your life that causes change, there's nothing you can do because there's nothing out there saying that you're not living a way that is acceptable, per se. And that's probably the wrong word to, to use, per se, but, like, I know for me, I was... I've been watching the whole Johnny Depp and his Amber Heard thing because I, I'm from a domestic violence situation. I was abused from my boyfriend from the time I was 16 all the way until I was about 20, 21 years old. And I didn't know that there was another way of living until it got so bad that I ended up in the hospital and I had no choice but to sit there to myself and say, okay, this is not, this can't be what life is all about. 
and I had to start researching, and I had to start asking myself, okay, well, what do I want from life? What is out there? And I had to make myself in the worst mindset of being a victim and not wanting to be around anybody and feeling like I was the worst person on earth because I allowed this to happen to myself that I had to go out and reach out to people. And that's what a lot of Steve's story is from, is the fact that he's been abused all his life. He only knows how to abuse others. And for him to find that little pocket of gold that says that's not how you have to be, that to me is why this story is important. Because I don't think a lot of people nowadays have that. Well, and, and uh, you know, again, you raise an interesting point that in terms of the the definitional aspects of bullying, that, that uh, I mean, granted you had a very traumatic experience and you know I, I i applaud you for your recovery in that but but i mean there's <laughs> also you. there's also the um you know the concept that not all, not all bruises are, are physical right that there's right. You know, a, lot, a lot of a lot of psychological warfare and control that goes along with this right exactly because that that's how it started in the domestic violence situation that i was in it was all a mental game it was all hey i don't like your friends you should stop hanging out with your friends and all of a sudden i had no friends and then it started destroying me inside because i'm such a social butterfly that i need to be out there with right. people right. that i started blaming myself and saying oh no it's not okay for me to be out there and how dare i think that so and so would want to talk to me and it totally skewed my mindset and coming out of that is something totally different <laughs> Do you have a, did you slip in a little, you know, role for yourself in this, you know, knowing that you have an acting background, or even like a walk-on or anything along those lines? Yes, I do have a small role. Okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah, I um, basically am the Gap Year Society leader, Um, her name's Jolene, and she helps Samantha realize that she's allowed to because she'll be 18 years old when she graduates. She doesn't have to go straight off to an Ivy League school like her mom forces her to and says, that's where your path is going. I don't care. Come hell or high water, you're going to an Ivy League school. And Jolene helps her take a step back and go, no, your life is what you want it to be after you turn 18. And there are a million resources to help make it happen. And I am just one person here that can facilitate and help you with that. And that's the character I play in Samantha, who, in Samantha's life in the movie. And that's kind of what allows Samantha to start exploring how she can help people based off of her academic knowledge. And that's what allows her to, in turn, help Steve get better and realize that he can be better. Now, I'm going to take a sidestep here, and uh, we're we're going to circle back, and I'll I'll give you an opportunity to uh, to promote this again at the end. But but uh, sure. in, in terms of another part of your background, right? Uh, I have huge respect for the the Second City organization. I've I've been a fan of theirs ever since I was a kid, and, and uh, you're actually one of the performers with the Hollywood branch. Is that right? Correct. Um, I just finished with the conservatory program. We had our show that ran through April. Um, I think it went through April 12th or something like that. So that's exciting. Um, I went through all their writing programs. I'm currently working on a show that I want to pitch to them here in the next couple months. So that'll be exciting. <laughs> and, and uh, uh, you know, there's a common misconception that, that, that uh, you know, that, that this is all about the performances, but you guys are actually taking classes as part of this too, right? It's not a straight-up comedy trip. They're, they're, you're actually learning from, from some of the best of the best in terms of doing this. So. Right, exactly, and like some of my favorite teachers that are there, like Dave Cullen, and they've been on the main stage in Chicago and Detroit, and Jamie Moyer is just amazing, and the whole aspect of the classes is to get you the tools and the training to know how and when to use the tools, 
and the trick, so that way when you get up on stage, you're not frozen. You can go, okay, this is what I can do here, and this is, oh, I can piggyback on that, and then we can go rolling with this. And when you have a team that understands all the rules and when to play them, they can pick up on other things, and it just helps create an ensemble, and that's what creates the comedy, and that's what makes it fun. And the, the emphasis, <laughs> re- the emphasis, really is on sketch comedy, though, right? Like, are, are you correct? Are you, right? Yeah. Well, it's on reimprovisation to get to a sketch. So, like, you'll get up, and somebody will give a suggestion of like popcorn. So you have an amusement park scene, and you do that, and you find little funny bits here and there, and you keep those in your pocket, and then you come back to it. And you go, okay, well, how could we have heightened this? What could we have done to make maybe this character just a little bit more quirky? How about what if this situation, instead of a toothbrush coming in, it was a bottle of bleach? How does that change that? And so you re-improvise it with those in mind, and you start finding new notes, and you start finding new things in the character. And you build from there to make a sketch that's outstandingly hilarious. <laughs> now, uh, I've often you know, thought of comedy as, as basically the hard way. Right, that that, that <laughs> because humor is so subjective, right? Exactly. That, that, yes. That, that, you know, what is it about comedy that drew you to that particularly? Um, I think it just becomes from like my dad is kind of my favorite person in my life, and the only reason why is because he's always able to find the funny in everything, and even though it's not always appropriate. It allows everyone to take a step back and go, "Yeah, I guess we don't have to be that serious, and let's just look at what matters." And from that, I'm falling in love with a lot of early comedy shows like The, Sev- the Simpsons. Um, I loved Futurama growing up. Um, all those kinds of things. And it was just where I found myself escaping to. And so to learn those tools and how to create that and be able to, out of service, do that for another human being. Because I was willing to take the risk and learn how to do that. And then eventually put it out into a product. That's rewarding to me. That honestly is one of the most articulate answers that i've received to that question and i've gotten a few of them over the years so oh my god that's no, amazing <laughs> no i've had stand-up comics on here and I, I that honestly i've never heard it put quite like that so you know what real good for you I, I, thank I, you I, I, I like that um and i'm going to be telling that story for a while too um <laughs> now your your production company is called pie pie is that it correct pie pie productions <laughs> Okay, i got to ask you where that comes from. Okay, so growing up, my dad again, um, I don't know why he thought of this nickname, but he nicknamed me after the pie symbols, like, um, so two pie symbols next to each other, and he always called me Pie Pie. And his reasoning is, because he was really into math and everything, I never understand math, I, I can't get past algebra, but he said that two pie symbols mean that I will go full, full circle. And so that he never has to worry about me because even when I'm on the other half, he'll know I'll make it on the other side. That's, that's so, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, it made sense to him. I went, okay, cool. And then when I was looking to start a production company back in 2006, I barely um, started the indie, uh, getting into the indie film at Den- in Denver, um, starting to meet some of those people through CASA, the Colorado Actors Screenwriters Network is what it was known way back when. Um, I started doing my own short films because they had a competition called Six Films in Six Months. So you had to make a film every month. And I was like, well, i got to put something at the end of these things. What do I want to do? And I wanted to do an homage to my dad, so I called it Pi Pi Productions. Uh, and the other uh, film that you have under that banner is called Dark Spectre? 
Correct. Yes, Dark Spectre. It's been going, um, I think it's still on tour with GeekFest right now. Okay, and, uh, you know, for for the uninitiated, what what was that particular film about? Oh, Dark Spectre is a superhero film where we come to find that his arch nemesis is not necessarily his arch nemesis, it's actually his mother. (laughs) And through that um, interaction, we come to find out if if we continue the series, we're in talks to try and figure out what we want to do with it now, Um, because it's supposed to be a web series where we find out that he's living back home with his mom, his mom has Alzheimer's. And through that, that's why he's doing all her deeds, because she used to be the evildoer and doing everything, but now with Alzheimer's, she doesn't remember who she is. That so. also sounds like a really cool piece. I'm going to have to take a look at that. So Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, so to circle back here, we, we kind of have to tie this up, unfortunately. But, uh, Raleigh, I, I would very much like to have you back on again if you ever have anything else that you want to discuss. Okay, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. All right? Definitely. <laughs> I'm sure it's been enlightening. <laughs> Well, no, I, I, you know, hopefully you've had fun out of this too. So, but uh, um, just in terms of uh, hardly easily, where can people go to learn more about what you're doing? Sure, they can go onto the website. The website is uh, hardly easily, and that's spelled E A S L I E film dot com. It's got the donate now, so if they want to get in touch with us, donate some funds or anything like that, they can click on that. It's got our synopsis. It has everything about our cast. We'll also be posting upcoming events. We'll probably have a fundraiser here in another month or two where if people are local to Los Angeles, they can come show up. Um, It'll also keep everybody updated as far as where the film is production-wise. So. Well, again, a big thanks to uh, to Marie Lamel here for. Uh, is she one of the people that, that's working on the management group for you? Or, I, I guess. Oh yes. Okay, right. <laughs> She's so, lovely. <laughs> okay, so big thanks to Marie for for reaching out to me out to me out of the blue. I, again, this is uh, a high form of a of a compliment because that doesn't uh, happen too too often here. But uh, I, again, I was proud to do this interview. So, Ro, best of luck with the the rest of the campaign. And if I can do anything to help you, then you'll let me know. All right. We'll do. Thank you so much. Okay, so that's going to about do it for us today. I'm going to be back next week at the usual time. Uh, again, a quick thank you to, uh, to my guest today, Ro Moore. Uh, also, earlier in the day when I was speaking with Justin Kuslin and uh, Scarlett Flame, an old friend of mine. So uh, we'll be talking to you guys next week at the same time. Until then, uh, let me just call up my last toy here. Cut, print, wrap, and I of the cutting room floor with your host, Casey Ryan. Follow Casey on Twitter at CuttingRoomMRB and on Facebook at CuttingRoomFloor. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.